this is Josh Banner with the Invitation Podcast. Before I dive into this conversation with Josh Garrels and John Mark McMillan, I want to update you on a few things. I don't have a sponsorship or anything like that, but I want you to know about Stovetop Coffee Roasters because it is two of my former students and they are two dear friends, Steve and Jared. I've partnered with another of their friends, Dave, to launch Stovetop Coffee Roasters. I'm excited about this because everything that they're doing is well thought out and cared for. I'm a coffee geek. I've brewed Madcap and Sweet Bloom. And honestly, I'm giddy because Steve has already started dialing in something when I brew this. There's nothing that I'm missing from those other roasters. And I'm giddy about this because when my people do risky, creative things, I want others to dive in and enjoy that as well. If you do order some of their coffee online, make sure to note that Josh Banner sent you that direction and maybe they will kick me back a few bags of coffee in the future. I also want to update you on the exciting time Sharon Garlow Brown and I had leading the Church Leaders Contemplative Prayer Retreat earlier in February. It was a delight, and honestly, I could say I think it went better than I could have expected it to. There were 12 pastors from a handful of churches in West Michigan that joined us at the new retreat space at Camp Geneva. We spent about 36 hours in silent prayer and uh, guided meditation. And so there's just huge thanks to Sharon. Uh, She's a fantastic person. She's a great author, and she was an amazing co-facilitator. If you haven't discovered her, I encourage you to go back and listen to my conversation with her in episode number seven. And regarding the retreat, one pastor graciously described the experience this way. It was simply overwhelming how the Lord honored the short amount of time given in silence and solitude. Prayer is easy while it's also difficult. And this is true even for people in ministry. The question for pastors is the same question that we all have. How do we create time and space for God? And most of us need guidance to do this, to sincerely focus our lives around a regular daily conversational relationship with Jesus. So I'm encouraged that all these pastors report that they'd like to do this retreat again next year. So it looks like Sharon and I will be offering this as an annual retreat, at least again uh, next February. So if you're interested, put that on your calendars. And uh, I'm also relieved and excited to finally have the website for the Invitation Podcast up online and functional. You can read more about these pastors' experiences on a retreat page I set up. That's at invitationpodcast.org. I also want to let you know about Calvin College's Festival of Faith and Music, March 30th through April 1st. This is featuring artists uh, Julian Baker, 
and Jamila Woods. I understand she's worked with Chance the Rapper, uh, whom I'm getting turned on to, but both are wonderful songwriters and singers that they uh, stand on their own right. And of course, there's an old faithful, David Bazan, who's one of my old time favorites, uh, formerly of Pedro the Lion. David Dark will be there. My friends, Bruce Benedict from Hope College and Chris Bowl, also from Hope College, will be doing workshops. So if you have an interest in the intersection of faith and pop culture, this, in my mind, is the premier event that you don't want to miss. I've known and been inspired by the work of Ken Hefner. He's the director of student activities there at Calvin. He's been there for over 20 years. He's the behind the scenes guy and doesn't want to draw attention to himself. Yet I've watched Ken faithfully create there at Calvin College an arena for us to think about how our love for Jesus is not so much at odds with culture as many of us are earlier taught, at least the way I was thinking about things back in youth group. In fact, these things that we are attracted to in pop culture are ways that God can even reveal himself to us through that culture. And in this episode, uh, Josh Gerrels has some insightful things to say about subcultures and alternative cultures in his past and what that has meant to his faith. So pay attention to that. Also, you should note that we've put up the first of the new five-minute format. And uh, sorry if this gets confusing, but that was episode number nine of the podcast, and it's based around prayer exercise number four from the prayer guide, 40 Ways to Spend Five Minutes with God. So later in this episode, you'll hear John Mark McMillan say something about how five good minutes with God is worth an hour. The idea here is the mustard seed principle. Some of you might not be interested in a two-day silent retreat. Some of you might not be able to find time and space for the first three retreats that I did, episodes one, two, and three, and that's okay. However, Jesus does want all of our hearts. He is a consuming fire, but he's also infinitely patient with us. And so we start with a mustard seed. We start with five minutes. We do what we can instead of worrying about what we can't. The question of the gospel is, what is the Spirit inviting you today? What's the next step? So my prayer is that these five-minute little guided prayers will help you respond to that invitation of the Spirit. Okay, um... To introduce this conversation with Josh Garrels and John Mark McMillan, let me just say that this was a bit of a stretch uh, to reach out and to connect with these guys. The other three conversations that I've posted here on the podcast are with friends who more or less knew what they were getting themselves into. And over the years, I've done my share of booking concerts, and I knew it'd be something of a risk to try and truly connect with these men in a way that gets to the essence, uh, to the core of what I want the Invitation Podcast to be about. When we say that the podcast is about creating a time and a space for God, I want this to not just be another dutiful obligation, another uh, set of hoops for you to jump through, 
if you've been listening to the other episodes, I hope you can tell that there is nothing casual about how we talk to God here in this podcast. So how to dive in with guys who are getting ready to play a concert later that evening, they're getting ready to do a sound check, and how do I step into that space and ask them to enter a intentional conversation about prayer? What is it that I'm after when I sit down to talk with Josh Garrels and John Mark McMillan? I really wanted to try and get their attention to dive into a discussion about their very deliberate sense of who God is in their practiced lives and in their music. Originally, their management had told me that we'd only have 20 minutes to talk, um, but as you will hear, they were both rather gracious with their time and we ended up covering some substantial ground. We talk about the charismatic church, the charismatic experience, the Catholic church, the temptation, uh, sometimes in evangelical Protestant worship and culture, the temptation towards sentimentalism or emotionalism. We talk about aesthetic care of our buildings and of our culture. We talk about engaging God in all things because Jesus is in all things. And so therefore all things can be considered sacred. Uh, Talk about needing to unlearn parts of our Christian experience in order to better approach God. Talk about family disciplines and uh, Sabbath keeping, creating more space for God with exercise when to set aside our screens and to be closer to each other. And of course, there's some about their respective creative processes in writing music. And we talk about who they're reading, the likes of Dylan Thomas, Wendell Berry, A.W. Tozer, Eugene Peterson, Richard Rohr, and Dallas Willard. So honestly, I was a bit concerned about taking a further step into the world of Christian celebrity with this interview. As much as I want to stay away from my own cynicism and repent of that as a kind of sin, I've uh, honestly been burned by the egoism in the recording industry and in the publishing world. I wanna protect the invitation because it's about the importance of drawing near to the person of Jesus Christ and living in his holy presence. And I know from my own experience that evangelicals are especially guilty of being more concerned about drawing near to the holy experience by attaching themselves to the latest and greatest book, the greatest idea, conference, author, record, song, worship leader. But when it comes down to it, my time with Josh Garrels and John Mark McMillan was refreshingly ordinary. I had an hour with two guys who are doing their best to serve God and love their families in very practical and earnest ways. So I've been uh, trained as a spiritual director. Mm-hmm. Do you guys 
tracking yeah. that, that vocabulary? Yeah, my wife. Yeah. I've done spiritual direction through the Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah. Yep. My training's with Dominican nuns. Yep. Over in Grand Rapids. Cool. And I'm, I'm doing a doctorate now in spiritual direction through Fuller Seminary. And uh, it's the only, I think, Protestant doctoral program in spiritual direction. Mm, interesting. So the interesting ju- juxtaposition is that I'm more interested now in what's happening with a single person rather than 1,200 students. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so when I saw that you guys were on, on the. Uh, the schedule, I was thinking, man, they, they probably have some interesting things to say. Because you were here before. My wife uh-huh. was actually on a panel with you okay, about cool. the arts. Yeah, yeah. Fact, she's the poet, Susanna Childress. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And um, yeah. she's the um, creative writing prof here. Okay, awesome. And um, so we've admired your music. And we thought, these guys come from a raw place, creatively, spiritually, personally. What is it? that you guys might want to say about where God shows up. We could call it prayer. We could call it worship. Mm-hmm. And that's part of my questions. Sure. And so I want to leave it wide to see what you're interested in talking about mm-hmm. as far as mm-hmm. how do you bring God practically into the creative process mm-hmm. from maybe songwriting, studio, performance. Maybe it's just family life and community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give us a moment for the cogs to start time, yeah. <laughs> start working. Do you um, yeah. yeah? Did you want to start with one of those? Maybe focus in on one of those. Or, yeah, yeah. Any any of that? I mean, do, do you do you have a sense, a practical sense that if Jesus and Spirit of Christ are real, that you ask ask them to come and be part of? Mm-hmm. The process in a very tangible. I don't know if you remember way back. I was uh, hanging out with you at the David Crowder um, music conference. Yeah, yeah. Way back. Way back in Waco. Yeah. And I was hiding around in the yeah. backstage, and yeah. we had some great talks about Kevin Prosh. Uh huh. Yep. And um, yeah. So I have a charismatic background sure. to a certain mm-hmm. extent, but mm-hmm. now I'm finding the Holy Spirit is just as robust within the mystical tradition and the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. and trying yeah. to find inroads between that. Mm-hmm. into the Protestant conversation. Totally. And I yeah. thought the artists have to be accessing God in that way to mm-hmm. be able to do what you guys are doing. And yeah. how would you talk about that? Yeah. My background is not part of the charismatic church. Sure. John Marks is, mm-hmm. more or less. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I guess, yeah, to start this interview, in some ways, I... When I came to faith, though, the Holy Spirit was very real. Mm. So I, I didn't like come to faith uh, within a tradition that was teaching me about it. Mm-hmm. But my experience taught me about it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, my background early on was more sort of like a hybridized sort of Calvary Chapel vineyard mm-hmm. slash just um, like non-denom American church. Mm-hmm. You know. Where that stuff was allowed, but it wasn't necessarily encouraged or definitely not um, honed in and taught how to foster and handle and uh, function in. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think on the early end, as a new believer, I came to faith in my 20s out of like drugs and new age and everything. So Mm -hmm. it was all very real to me. But if anything, Mm -hmm. I I don't know that I would say I went overboard. I was just zealous. So I would... Mm -hmm throw myself into experiences because it was it was real to me anyway mm-hmm. you know yeah um so maybe similar to you even though my background isn't like sure. the charismatic church like i was yeah. a charismatic person you know yeah <laughs> and i actually feel like as i've grown older um 
maybe a similar movement yeah. as to you, where mm-hmm. there's this sense of um, there doesn't always have to be even sensation mm-hmm. or fireworks mm-hmm. or um, it doesn't mean it's not a powerful night mm-hmm. if I'm like not receiving a vision or someone's not falling out or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, Those yeah. things can actually be uh, a different form of religiosity. Yep. To claim that those have to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm taking this question in a direction you know, weren't necessarily no, asking about. No, that's exactly about. what I'm hoping for. This is great. Um, Thank you. Yet at the same time, it is, I think, um, looking at others whose um, paths that I've respected. Guys yeah. like, you know, Wendell Berry right. and Paulo Coelho. And mm-hmm. I mean, these are... Mm-hmm. Believers that land right. all over the spectrum. Henry Nowen mm-hmm. um, just spent time with a new friend, Jason Upton. You know that wow. John Mark goes way back, and Jason's wow. at an interesting place in his life. Is he's he? like he traditionally has been part of like the charismatic yeah, church, right. but one on one and like where he's at personally, he says, "You know, man, I am, I am." Um, he didn't use the word religiously. He's like, my belief is at this point just very orthodox. Yeah. Um, and I'm socially liberal. <laughs> and wow. I was like, that I kind of understand that, man. Yep. Like, you know, like when I think of people talk about the Anglican church in the UK and how it's like high church that invites the Holy Spirit, you know? So I think as I grow older, there is this sense of like, I, I like aesthetics mm-hmm. that are thought out yeah. and cared for. Yeah. And aesthetics for me isn't just visual and audio. It's actually like how we treat our spaces, sacred spaces. It's how we um, care for the things around us. It's how we care for words is aesthetic, you know. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, I feel like there are these old traditions that have cared aesthetically for the, like the wholeness of the gospel. Mm-hmm both the theology at the heart of it, but then the, the culture that surrounds it. And I think so many of us have grown tired of sort of a um, exploited culture that has barnacled itself mm-hmm. to the gospel that isn't very aesthetically pleasing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so I do think yeah. that's where the Protestant church is uh, changing, <clears throat> I think, is there's a care for the aesthetics mm-hmm. that go along with the essentials of the belief, you know? And you sense an ache for that in your own? I don't know if it's an ache. Um, Like I said, I didn't necessarily grow up in the evangelical church. So in my case, there's not necessarily a knee-jerk reaction to, I got to get away from this, or I got to change Mm -hmm. this. I can't do it like my parents did it. or You know, because I've known people where that's just their storyline, and that's all right. But that's not necessarily my storyline. Mine was sort of being adopted into this new foreign culture of Christianity, Mm -hmm. um, Protestant Christianity. And like being old enough, me and John were talking about this yesterday. I was like 20, 21 years old. I was Mm -hmm. just old enough where I could do some reasoning and say, you know, I love the Mm -hmm. Lord, but Mm -hmm. I don't think I necessarily have to divorce myself Mm -hmm. from... um, the subcultures and countercultures that I grew up with. Like letting go of the destructive parts of those, like the drug use and (laughs) (laughs) believing in false gods, you know, like, but yeah, the aesthetics that surrounded those things, like Mm -hmm. I've continued to carry some of those because they're like, those cultures meant something to me, you know, they were beautiful to me. And so there's this sense, like, 
even when missionaries go into the heart of Africa, the ones that we would say are the most successful are those who bring the truth of the gospel and allow it to work itself out within their culture rather than saying, now you have to build this church and steeple and wear uh, a three-piece suit and 120-degree weather and sing American hymns. You know? mm. Anyway, I'm going on and on. We can keep moving. I dig, no. <laughs> What do you, where do you respond to this as far as bringing God directly into your creative life, your ministry life? Your... Well, I've, I mean, there's a lot of different things I could say. I guess the first thought that comes to mind is I feel like, uh, I, I, I sort of feel like in Christ, all things are sacred. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make things like prayer less important, right. you know? But so like, I, I want to bring, um, I want to bring Christ into, into everything. Not in a religious or <laughs> the word religion. I mean, that re- word religion can be used in a number of ways. You know, um, it, it can mean to practice, which is very good, or it can mean um, in a purely traditional. For you know what I'm saying. What's yeah. what's that? What's the negative? Well, the, the an empty the form. Yeah, the form, the, yeah. the structure, but not the heart and the soul. Of exactly. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so for me, music was just another. Um, you know, I another way I approached the rest of my life, you know, it wasn't, I didn't view it as a sacred thing, but it, you know, so I'm hopefully I'm having a conversation, you know, with the Lord and all that I do, mm-hmm. we're doing everything together, hopefully, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the music just sort of reflects that, sure. you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, there's so much going on here. Right. I'm trying to figure out what right. to respond to. And I wanted to keep, <laughs> yeah, yeah. keep the, the, um, <clears throat> Didn't know how much time we'd have, so I wanted yeah, to keep yeah. it wide. We're not necessarily pressed for time. Yeah. So, so, um, <clears throat> one of the first questions I had, uh, I, what basically what I've been doing is a format where I sit down with various people. I, I uh-huh. work in uh, prisons too, and so we are training prisoners to be uh-huh. spiritual directors. And I want to get mm-hmm. microphones in there mm-hmm. to ask them these same questions. And uh, you know, Alan Alan Lomax. Mm-hmm. So he he's the one you discovered uh, Robert Johnson and would travel around the South with yeah. a big lathe and just... All those recordings yeah. are yeah. priceless, man. Where's the music happening? Uh, where, where's culture? Where's, where's yeah. something yeah. alive? And so I've been trying to think about this podcast almost the same way of going to different people because it can look yeah. very different totally. for different mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And so for your story, what is it that makes sense for you yeah. and how you engage that? Because it's going to be your God, mm-hmm. your sense of it, because yeah. you've come in that, that story. So one mm-hmm. of the questions that kind of hits the, so f- it was fun sure. to realize you had a resonance with Kevin Price, yeah, yeah, a big yeah. influence on me. So when you think about maybe a person who's operating with a sense of God, a fullness mm-hmm. of God, because I know a lot of Christians, right? I don't know a lot of Christians that I would say have an active sense of the love and the person of God. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've been doing this long enough that I think I could say that honestly, yeah. but not without like a chip on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be grumpy about that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The stuff I'm reading, it's basically saying we need to, as a church, accept this, mm-hmm. that people don't know how to talk about God. Yeah. And we often feel somewhat yeah. uh, sheepish about, mm-hmm. well, uh, <laughs> do we have his abundant life? Do we know how mm-hmm. to really be in his presence? So when you think about people that are models for you, maybe in your conversion experience or as artists or mm-hmm. authors, you go, wow, like that person, they've got something about 
God and godliness that I want to be like. Mm-hmm. Anyone? Anyone. Alive, dead, family, friend, author, somebody you've not met. Yeah, I mean, like, guys like A.W. Tozer. Okay. You know, he's often called the prophet of his generation. Yeah. He didn't, it wasn't like a thus saith the Lord or... Mm-hmm. But the way he interacted with God and spoke about God to others mm-hmm. had a, like a prophetic edge to it. And mm-hmm. that only comes from someone who's like interacted with the living God. And when I read his writings, I'm reading a book right now by him, and there's a sense of you just get it. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, he, he's he been in the presence, man. <laughs> and you know it. Yeah. You know, I would say even guys like Eugene Peterson yeah. uh, years ago when I was pastoring, reading his books like five smooth stones i think was the name of one one was uh long obedience in the same direction i think there's levels of like even just wisdom that Mm -hmm. come from people who abide Mm -hmm. and when you read it you get a sense that it's feeding something in Mm -hmm. your soul it's nurturing something it's actually life-giving yeah you know as opposed to reading sometimes a friend will pass you some like hot new yeah Christian book on how to do something better and you get two <laughs> chapters in you're sort of like wah, wah. yeah this sucks <laughs> I can't handle this you know this is like this is fluff and you sense it yeah. and it's I, you know I don't want to be mean but no. you sense it yeah. when someone the difference in those two things yeah. one person is actually like giving you something mm-hmm. it's actually serving your soul and what they're writing and you receiving it and it's mm-hmm. building it's like exhorting your spirit man and yeah. i think that that's a gift that's what you're talking about yep, exactly you know when you come into contact with it and mm-hmm. that's authors mm-hmm. i named a couple but yeah musicians too i would say mm-hmm. someone john's good friends with uh johnny and melissa jonathan and melissa helser you know okay um, i haven't listened to their music broadly at sure. all but you know that one song, like last year, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I'm a child of God, you know? Wow. At like face value, production value, mm-hmm. it's not like worlds different than like Bethel music or Hillsong or, you know, but something about his presentation and what he's saying in that song, mm-hmm. for a couple months straight, every time I would put it on, it would make mm-hmm. me cry mm-hmm. and I'd stop mm-hmm. and like receive this message because I was dealing with fear. Mm-hmm. I was dealing with, in some ways, crippling mm-hmm. fear. And that song like wow. served me, mm. and and the plethora of like worshipy songs out there, that one cut through, yeah. and I think it's cut through for a lot of people. That's why it got named Worship Song of the Year last mm. year, you know, because it actually there's something on it. John's had songs with something on it, and mm-hmm. he will even say, "Because I've been doing Q and A's with you every <laughs> night." It's like I don't know why that one. Yeah, yeah. Beyond like he's in relationship with a living mm-hmm. God, writes yeah. these songs, and God decides I'm going to put my hand on that, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it That's comes good. from abiding. It's not. It's not strictly Russian roulette right. spiritually. Right. It comes from a son who like is sitting with his father, you know. Good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's there's a smattering for me. Well, know? I'm glad that you mentioned Tozer because here I am, born in the evangelical Protestant world, and most of the stuff I've been reading is Eastern Orthodox or Catholic, mm-hmm. and I haven't charismated to Orthodoxy or converted to Rome because I believe it's the same Spirit, it's the same Jesus, mm-hmm. and so Tozer is one of the few mm-hmm. that I think easily can be a bridge yep. within this uneducated man 
Yeah, he didn't know how to read yeah. when he came to the faith, which and is crazy. Did you, in your experience in the charismatic church, uh-huh. do you know Len- Leonard Ravenhill? I know of him. You know yeah, that? there's Old a story revivals. about him with, I guess he was Tozer's prayer partner. Huh. huh. And the story is that these two, when they're old men, would go into a bedroom and lay widthwise across a bed on their chest with Bibles on the floor, and read through the scriptures and just cry out to God for <laughs> hours together. Uh-huh. You know, and just to think about that's what I'm talking about when you go, oh my gosh, this person wants to live in a different kingdom, mm-hmm. and it's not about what they've written. But there's some sort of witness, mm-hmm. and I see it happening with the prisoners I'm around, honestly, in a more rich and significant way <laughs> than I do. With, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to. This podcast is not about having a chip on our shoulder. Mm-hmm. I'm done with yeah. kind of evangelical cynicism. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I want to be lovingly honest. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm calling it the invitation. Mm-hmm. Let's be. God's going to call us to something real. And I've, I just figured you guys might have some good things to add to that conversation. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think yeah. about people that? Um, inspire I, you yeah I probably one of my favorite authors is Dallas Willard right. Divine Conspiracy is like my go to mm-hmm. sort of theology book I like had a probably a minor crisis of faith a few years ago okay and that was a book that um, totally sort of <laughs> I wouldn't say it brought me back but it's sort of one of the branches I grabbed on mm-hmm. the way <laughs> mm-hmm. falling off the tree you know I kind of grabbed um, Dallas Willard with this hand and Richard Rohr with this hand, you wow. know, like which is interesting because they're yeah. fairly different. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, but it was just right for me. I think I love Dallas's his whole concept of Jesus wasn't um, just uh, he wasn't just good. He was also brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea mm-hmm. that he his the the teachings are also like good ways to live not mm-hmm. just this sort of so growing up in charis- charismatic world which i still love and appreciate but yeah you sort of there's a lot of sort of hocus pocus you know mm-hmm. if you hold your arm the right way yeah. when you pray <laughs> if you read certain amount of scriptures the right way or there's a lot of teaching about digging out this like hidden meanings mm-hmm. in scripture and people get a lot excited about revelatory teaching which is cool but i realized after years in the charismatic world at least the my experience, and I mean, my dad's a pastor, and he's really great. He really knows the Lord, and you know, so I, I had some really good. I had a really good upbringing, mm-hmm. but I realized like I have been taught all this sort of like uh, Christian kung fu, yep. and like a lot of the basics. Like I, I realized I've. <laughs> I almost had very little experience with a lot of the basics of, hmm. you know, Christian teaching. You know, so I, I spent after reading um, the Divine Conspiracy, I spent probably three years uh, where most of my scripture reading was Matthew five, six, and seven, hmm. and I realized that sort of the Christian culture I was brought up in is was not the same as sort of the Jesus. Hmm. I think it's influenced by Jesus, but you know, for instance, like I. I went to this church. It's a really great church, really great people, really love the Lord. But I just read the um, Dallas talks about the things Jesus says not to do. Mm. You know, there's a list of do's and don'ts. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and I I wasn't I wasn't trying to be critical, but I had this moment where I realized, oh man, we it's so easy to not pay attention to what Jesus actually said and to go off on all these other sort of secondary things. You know, mm. that are probably all good, and I think that. I think 
the church that I was at meant really well by it. I don't even know they need to change. But I was just very aware how culture is different. Uh, the Christian culture is different than uh, even a lot of what Jesus basically taught. For instance, um, I think they did all six things wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I think in that one service, mm-hmm. all six things that Jesus said not to do, I think they did, you know, in the service. So you know, Jesus says, you know, when you, you know, when you give an offering or when you do pray, secret. do it in secret. <laughs> and now walk in, they're like, we gave bam, bam, this year. Everyone's like, woo, and the whole, and they're doing it to get people excited and show them this yeah. is what you guys did. <laughs> but, it was basically exactly what Jesus said not to do. You know what I mean? I don't think they were doing it out of the motive. Jesus is talking about the motive is to be seen. Yeah. I don't know. I can't judge their motives, but it was really funny. Then Jesus says, don't, the influential people, the wealthy, don't give them a better seat than anyone else. And I walked mm-hmm. in and they're like, hey, man, if I'd have known you were here, we would have we had a seat for you up mm-hmm. front. And I had to sit outside in the overflow, you know? <laughs> and so, I, and they're still just, they just loved me and they were being kind to me, you know, and they appreciated my gift and stuff. So, and I realized my own church that I'm a part of, we make all the same mistakes, I'm sure. So mm. I'm not being critical, but I became very aware in that season that like I had learned things that I was going to need to unlearn a little bit. Mm. And that I feel like I have been building rooms on top of, uh, without a out of foundation i'd been building things a little backwards and so i feel like i had to start over Mm. it's not that i had to scrap what i had learned but i feel like i had to lay a foundation then reapply i feel like that's what i'm doing now because there was a time um where i felt like i was missing something it was all that time when i was um sort of had my minor crisis of faith and i would go back to my youth to these worship songs that were really great these moments i had in the lord that were really great and Go digging around to try and find that thing, and it was like going, um, it's like going back to high school, mm-hmm. but all your friends had graduated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't the same place. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And around that time, I realized um, that I, uh, I, I feel like I, I tried to reconnect in a nostalgic way, mm-hmm. and so in some sense, I had pushed all that out of the way, mm-hmm. not. Um, not because it was wrong, but you know, a lot of what I'd learned um, in the charismatic tradition, I'd, I'd sort of pushed it aside, you know, and moved more into you know Matthew five, six, and seven, mm-hmm. you know, um, the beatitudes and yeah. you know love your enemy ty- type of stuff. And I realized the reason that like prophetic ministry, which I actually I believe is important and mm-hmm. totally valid, but the reason people get stoked on hearing from the Lord and and um, you know trying to uh, predict the future, you know, it's because it's a lot more fun mm-hmm. at conference is a lot more exciting than the love your enemies conference, you know, <laughs> or the give all your, you know, yeah. possessions away to the poor conference. Yeah. Those conferences are empty, <laughs> but the prophetic conference or the, the heart of David conference is like, you know, it's is, a wow. is yeah. fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the heart of Jesus conference is, you know it's tougher but honestly once i relayed that foundation even this last year or two it's like bringing the gifts of the spirit yeah bringing that type of um you know that way of reading the bible even reintroducing that back into my vocabulary but now that sort of like reading the bible sort of for what it actually says and not looking for the hidden meaning look for the very because the clear meanings are hard so yeah. you know what i mean so that it's it's sort of like looking for the hidden meanings became a way out from yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah i know we're supposed to love our enemies but we're also supposed yeah. to 
to slaughter them, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, there's not a hidden meaning there. Like, you are actually supposed to love your enemies. Yeah. You're actually supposed to love your neighbor, you know? But so, relay, he's kind of laying that foundation in the past few years, now bringing sort of these other things back, you know? Mm. As even, <clears throat> like, the Lord used to speak to me. Like, I used to have these really weird, interesting experiences with the Lord when I was young. Mm. And, um, like I would pray for things. I feel like he would do things for me just cause I ask. Nice. It sounds ridiculous, but I just, it's mm. undeniable in my life. Like yeah. there are actors and actresses whose careers were dead. And I'm like, well, Lord, there's a lot of terrible people in Hollywood. These people probably can't be that bad. I think they're classy. I would pray in there. I feel like their uh, careers would be like, you know, resurrected. And it was just because it's part of my everyday conversation. Mm. You know, it's watching television, you know. But a lot of that stuff I'd set aside because I realized that there were, I was weak in certain areas of my life and I couldn't make sense of it, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it was because I was missing some of the basic sort of things. But now I'm sort of, uh, I'm trying to engage with the Lord on a, a sort of both levels now, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I'm really trying to <clears throat> dig into spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm reading... Right now, uh, Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Dis- mm-hmm. Discipline. And he has this like book of 52 readings that I bought that are like, you know, different uh, different writers, just the, the gamut from modern writers to very ancient writers, mm-hmm. you know, from Thomas Merton to Martin Luther yep. King. Mm-hmm. You know it's what I mean? It's like all classics, about. Is yeah. that one? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm really enjoying that. Yep. And I, I really want to explore that. And at the same time, I want to re explore sort of my. Uh, charismatic, spiritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what you, they're both spiritual, right? But what's great about Foster's yeah. the, the Renovari is he talks about the seven streams. Yep. So he maps them out: social uh-huh. justice, yep. those that are into the the Bible study, uh-huh. the charismatic. I I uh, wish I could name them all right now. Yeah. The, and and uh, Dallas Willard is a my program is three areas: Ignatian spirituality, uh-huh. uh, Ignatius of Loyola. Um, uh, the Desert Fathers and the Dallas Willard. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's my son. Come on in here, buddy. <laughs> what do you need? I want you, Dad. <laughs> okay, I can't do it right now. Why don't you go figure it out? I'm almost done. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I just looked up your website right before I I came up this morning, and uh, his name is Shepherd too. So you ah, cool, cool, yeah. cool. Um, so the po- point is that uh, my lead instructor is the. Um, the, uh, the director of the Dallas Willard Center for Spirituality at Westmont. Uh-huh. His name's Gary Moon. And oh, cool. so I'm writing a paper that's due tomorrow <laughs> that has a lot of content on <laughs> Dallas Willard. Yeah. And one of the things he says is, which I hear you saying, mm-hmm. is that we're frankly uh, so bewildered by what Jesus actually says yeah. that we we don't know how to take him seriously. Yeah. So, so then if we really take him seriously, we really believe that he's offering us an invitation, come unto me, yeah. all you who are weary. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's a nice idea when I get to heaven. No, it's it's today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have to then build that faith through the discipline. Yeah. So when I move to this next question, I always want to let, let people know I'm not, uh, there's a secret place yeah, of our, sure. our prayer life, so I don't want to prostitute uh, here. <laughs> so mm-hmm. don't feel any pressure, but if you do have something to say about your discipline uh, and especially especially um how you approach scripture yeah. in prayer what does that look like in songwriting yeah. in mm-hmm. daily disciplines yeah yeah i'll start sure. um 
Well, like John, I feel mm. like we're both at this point in our life where we're both maybe have artistic temperaments, but uh, I'm learning like discipline, and yeah. it has been. It's been several years as I've had more and more kids, yeah. and there are guys working for me and a lot of moving parts and mm -hmm. making albums and mm -hmm. I'm my own manager and publicist wow. and doing it all. producer and engineer and songwriter you know like yeah. um there's a lot of moving parts yeah. even just within music but then trying to hold together a family yeah and any margin that I used to have as a teenager a 20 something a single even early married without kids the margin of rest just happening and time yeah. and the scripture just happening and prayer happening and like those margins are if i don't plan for them they're gone so it's margins yeah, yeah if i don't plan mm -hmm. for those then they're gone now mm -hmm. and so in some ways it started like god bless my wife michelle mm. she saw that you know saturday would roll around and we would more or less say um it's Saturday. Let's mm -hmm. let's do Saturday things. Saturday mm -hmm. means relaxing in America, you know. Mm -hmm. And then with four kids, inevitably, with the day would have no focus, mm -hmm. and so it would actually turn into just a day of complete chaos. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like in the living room halfway through the afternoon with kids running around that are getting cabin fever, getting irritable. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh God, I can't wait to go back to work. I can't wait till Monday when I can go in my studio and close the door and find a little bit of peace because this is not restful. <laughs> I you know? And so actually it was my wife, Michelle, who realized, you know, she was just interested in what Shabbat is, you know, mm -hmm. she'd seen some like messianic writings and mm -hmm. Um, we decided we're going to try to have like a day of rest. Mm -hmm. And so my wife, being the quintessential researcher, um, looked at what does that look like? And so we began on Friday night. We end the work week and we have a nice meal. Mm -hmm. We take communion as a family. Mm -hmm. I'll do like a little, maybe a little prayer time with the kids mm -hmm. with the meal. We'll have candlelight. They love it. They look forward to it. Often we'll invite friends over or my family or my parents over for that meal mm -hmm. after the meal. Mm. We have what my kids call stories of your life, where mm. with us and with visitors, they ask questions about just basically stories of your life. So my son, Shepard, he loves any story that you have of a bully when mm. you were young. He wants, he's intrigued with what are, what are bullies and how did you interact with them? How old is he? Uh, seven. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they love, it's almost this oral uh storytelling this yeah. this pass down of our stories even mm -hmm. which is interesting that wasn't planned but yeah. friday nights have turned into like communion and then mm -hmm. stories of your life That's by gorgeous. candlelight and then saturday is like me and michelle mm -hmm. no computers no social media and we have to have it sounds so uptight yeah. for those without kids this is going to sound so uptight yeah but it's only by trial and error that we've learned like we have a day sketched out like hey mm -hmm. kids we're going to have yeah. French toast, and then we're going to go on yeah. a family hike, and yeah. then we're going to go out to lunch, and then we're going to come home, yeah. we're going to have a quiet time, you can play with Legos, we're yeah. going to nap, yeah. and then we're going to have pizza, and then we're going to watch a movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that sounds so regimented, but no. that actually equals rest, yeah. because yeah. we had to have some forethought to say, for our kids' sake and mm -hmm. our sake, we're going to rest. We're going to plan for it. Yeah. So that's, that's one way, mm -hmm. but then I feel like and we don't, when I, when I, I guess I want to backtrack. We don't do any like strict messianic thing. Essentially, we light sure. some candles, yeah. we say prayers, we take communion. To make it sacred. And we yeah. like mm -hmm. 
we try to practice rest, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So beyond that, it's not like <clears throat> uh, very delineated, like we're not following some tradition mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, beyond that, on a personal level, something, so learning these disciplines, what's become really important to me is setting the tone for the day. Mm-hmm. So again, I feel like having kids has forced these lessons. As new parents, kids are waking up at 5.30 in the morning. And I remember me and Michelle, you like come out like half awake and you turn on like PBS kids because you can't interact with your kids at that hour. You're just like, watch this, please. And you're like mm-hmm. making coffee. But that only that only gives you a half hour. Yep. You know, they watch that for a half hour and then it's, Papa, I'm hungry. And then inevitably we found they're fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. And we're like... It took, ha- it took, took years to realize, like, I think starting our kids off with television first thing in the morning is detrimental to our mm. entire day, wow. realizing that would set a tone for our whole wow. day. And it was like, took years to realize that. Mm. And once again, my wife, she's just a little more intuitive than me. She's mm. like, I'm not into screen time, especially in the morning. Nice. And so it was this thing at first cutting out the television mm-hmm. in the morning for the kids. But then that rolled over into like, I need to be up before my kids. Nice. And so I need to go to bed earlier. Nice. And wake up before my kids wake up Mm. and spend time alone with the Lord, with scripture and coffee. And then Mm. I invite them into the day Mm. rather than being an angry dad, trying to like entertain entertain them so I don't have to deal with them, which is how I responded Mm. for years because I'm not a morning person, (laughs) you know? It's like, it sounds simple, but these are like, drastic changes that change the tone of a week and change the tone of an entire day. If I'm there and my kids come down the stairs and I meet them with a smile and a hug because I'm actually like coherent because I've already spent time. um, Morning is the most sensitive time of the day for me anyway. Mm. My like soul is tender Mm. and I've already spent it in a good place with the Lord. And then they come down the stairs and I'm welcoming them into the day, Mm. their day and their little child heart, their Papa just said, I love you. Welcome into the day. Mm. Not, please go over there and let this television babysit you because I don't want to look at you. (laughs) You know? So things like that have changed the atmosphere Uh, of my entire house. You know? That is lovely. And so those are like really practical. Yep. You know? But that's exactly what I'm aiming at with, we want to talk about the mystical and within the the Catholic tradition and the, the charismatic, the, the wow factor. The question is what I've realized in getting out of the position upstairs, first of all, I had to stop leading worship in order to find God. (laughs) And the next step was what happens when the music stops. Mm -hmm. So these very practical things of what to do with the silence of the morning, how to, Mm -hmm. that's, that is God. That is incredibly helpful. So thank you. Yeah, on the the same lines, I, a few years ago, I, because I'm 37 now, when I was young, I had all this energy, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, where did my energy go? (laughs) You know, and you know, because no discipline, I just had it. You know, because yeah. you're young, you're just sort of given it. You know, I always say God gives <laughs> youth to the, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, the wrong people. Give, no, well, I think he gives it to the right people. On the youth. <laughs> I don't want to say it gives youth to the stupid, but it gives <laughs> youth to the uh, immature because they they need the strength of right, youth to recover because they don't have the wisdom. You know what I mean? Um, but I. Uh, yeah, so I got to where I was losing my breath mm. in the middle of a set, and I was so frustrated because I was, all of a sudden things were happening, and the music was, you know, in front of a lot of people, it was getting a lot of great opportunities, and I could not show up. Mm. Mm. I was like losing my breath, so I decided I've been 
I, no one, well, my dad, my brothers, my mom played basketball, but you know, we're not like runners, you know, like, um, I don't think of us as runners and I've hated running. I've never, as a kid, never been able to run a mile, right? So um, anyway, but I decided, I was like, well, my set is like this long. If I can run for the same, if I can work up to hmm. the same amount of time as my set, you know, then I should be able, I sh if I, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be running out of breath if I can run, hmm. you know, so, but what was interesting is I started running half a mile and then I worked my way up to a mile. And, you know, then obviously there are other days I would take walks or, you know, but for the most part, I run like a mile a day, but it's really funny. I didn't expect it to give me so much energy by running. And I realized, so I've made it almost like a religious thing. Like my day doesn't happen. I don't go into the office. I'll take the kids to school. Then I'll go to the gym. Even if all I do is run one mile, mm -hmm. but it changed my whole life. And I realized, that seems so weird you know i have to run this mile or my world's not gonna work okay. but the truth is that one mile taking my time out for that mm. one mile gave me hours onto the day mm. because i was getting tired at 6 30 in the afternoon mm. you know i couldn't handle the kids it's mm. like just pushing them into bed as soon as i could and then i would just like collapse and go to bed yep you know i was so tired and i'm and that one little mile has changed my whole life and i realized at that point like um, how many other things are there like that in life? Wow. You know, you know, spiritually speaking, you know, so I used to get frustrated after we had kids. I'm like, I'm right there with Josh. We have three young kids about the same age as his four. So our lives are very similar, mm -hmm. you know, um, and the time just, if you don't make time, it doesn't, you don't have it. And mm -hmm. sometimes you make it and it goes away because mm -hmm. other things come up, That's you know, right. it's like, you know, um, and so I used to get frustrated. I was like, I didn't have, I used to have hours to spend with the Lord. So I felt maybe guilty, you know, I couldn't, you know, I'd schedule an hour, it wouldn't work out, or I'd schedule this time, it wouldn't work out, you know. And, um, and then I realized like, I'm never gonna get that time. So I'm gonna take it when I can. So I've decided to take it in sips, you know. So as much as I hate reading on my phone, I'll read uh, a chapter a day, <laughs> you know no matter what you know hopefully i'm going to find some time later do some more but i have these sort of no matter what things like mm -hmm. running the mile read a chapter a day yeah try and take a moment every single day before i start work mm -hmm. a moment of just of silence to mm -hmm. see if the lord has anything he wants to happen mm -hmm. throughout the day mm -hmm. like those things seem so small yeah, and they are small yeah. mm -hmm. but it's like if i do them every day mm -hmm. so one mile turns into 365 miles a year wow which is 365 miles more than I ever ran in my entire life. Mm, yeah. You know, it compiles, it makes a big difference. Reading a chapter a day makes a big difference. I've probably read more of the Bible this year than I have in the last several years. Mm. Because the last several years, I wanted to sit down and like have these long, important, meaningful, you know, and I found mm. some of them. Yeah. But, you know, so for me, at the stage of life I'm in, it's all about finding how to, it's finding these little sips, mm -hmm. you know. And I even had like, uh, I think I had this conversation with um, a guy who was counseling with me about, um, you know, he's like, he's like, your stage of life, five good minutes are, are worth an hour. Yeah. Because that's all you can get. Yeah. You know, but five good minutes are worth, you know, an hour. Yeah. Worth two hours. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You know, some people have all that other time. And I, I wasted a lot of time when I was young. Me too. And I thought I spent a lot of time with the Lord, but honestly, I might have spent more time like yeah. getting the music right before I sat down, or I don't know. But yeah, so for me and where I am, yeah. it's all about consistency yeah. and those little disciplines and not trying to bite off more yeah. than I can chew mm-hmm. and just bring those little disciplines into my life one at a time at a manageable mm-hmm. yeah what i love is what you said the very first thing you said mm-hmm. about bringing god into everything yeah how can we do that yeah. if we're exhausted exactly if we're disorganized there's not an intentionality yeah if uh you're just kind of throwing yourself at each day mm-hmm. um and what i lo- love is that the, the folks that might listen to this would be thinking, oh, these guys tour, they're up on stage, they're making records. When it comes down to it, the most sacred, important things are these very ordinary, mm-hmm. practical yeah. things that everybody needs to attend to. There's some students that uh, I think we're going to do a shorter um, time with you, so I want to stop this. Uh, but the last, real quick, maybe you guys can, if you could think about something in the last year, six months, it seems like, uh, uh, John, that you're in some some new life, some new hope. Yeah, yeah, Is totally. there something that has happened uh, through music specifically that you're like, wow, this was really a God thing. This song came together, uh, whether it was a writing, a song with somebody else, something that happened in the studio, something that happened on tour. Maybe it was just uh, in between on the road or yeah. anything where you can go, wow, Jesus, yeah, God is real. The kingdom of God's with me. <laughs> yeah. For me, the thing that immediately comes to mind is... It sounds so funny, but the fact that I made like a Christmas record nice. this past season. Yeah. No, it's um, traditionally albums have taken me a year and okay. a half, two years of me okay. working on it as a full-time job, uh-huh. layering all the parts, you know, doing sort of my signature mm-hmm. production, collaborating broadly all over the country, mm-hmm. um, spending months, literally months mm-hmm. doing the mixing and post-production and master after master until I get it right. And this one, um, I had the idea that I wanted to make this sort of classic vintage sounding Christmas record. Um, came into contact with this producer, Isaac Wardell. Know, He's Isaac, done all yeah. the Bifrost stuff. Yeah, I didn't realize um, he did that with you. He did, yeah. yeah. He's great. And so I brought him on. Um, he said, yeah, I'll, I'll hook up all the players. I know some great guys and we'll come out to Portland. And Did Evan come out? Miz- um, no, okay. so yeah, it's like mm. it's almost laughable, but oh, okay. it's it's really the, like maybe the most legit studio oh, record wow. experience I've ever had with like a producer, and then the guys he brought out. He brought uh-huh. out like Sufjan's drummer and War on Drugs guitar player and Blake Mills keyboard player. Like <laughs> these guys are yeah sweethearts, <laughs> believers, but also mm-hmm. like know their craft in a way that was kind of mind boggling to mm-hmm. me. Where literally they said, "How about you just not play your guitar this week, and we'll <laughs> and we'll track everything while you sing." I was like, "All right." Is it James McAllister? Yeah. Ah, oh, James is. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. like, it was this. I was telling my wife, it was like almost laughable, but in a way that I sensed yeah. God's humor in it. Where he's like, he's "You're gonna make you're gonna make a Christmas yeah. record, <laughs> and I'm gonna bring in like." Yeah, a great cast, and yeah. then Isaac took the recordings and did yeah. like string work and brass work. Yeah. And we finished the whole thing in like literally, uh, literally a handful yeah. of months. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, I don't think it's an album that's going to change the world, but it's something that I'm like, I'm really proud of it. And we did it. It didn't like home and past albums have literally like taxed my emotions mm-hmm. and my uh, physical body yeah. in a way that I don't think is totally healthy. Mm-hmm. I do think work sometimes requires you to bleed mm-hmm. and requires you to invest yourself in a way that hurts. 
And so I'm not opposed to that. But mm -hmm. I think there are times where I'll actually push in so hard that I've actually, like, it's been destructive mm -hmm. to my body and even my family. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love making albums. Mm -hmm. But it's been this question, like, I love this, mm -hmm. and this is killing me, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So I, th I feel like it was a good shift for me. Yes. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a full-size album. Yeah. And it was relatively painless. Was it easier to do that because it was Christmas music to hand it over to a pr producer? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Which also might have been my first, but I think it took something like an interesting yeah, side maybe project a stepping stone. for me to yeah. realize like, oh, like I can, I can pass stuff off you now. Can, it's trust in the yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, for yeah. me, it was actually a big step of letting go a little mm -hmm. bit and then looking at what was created mm -hmm. and being like, I like this. It's mm -hmm. different than anything I've done, but I, mm -hmm. I like this. I'm going to do this again in the future yeah. and save and save myself some grief, great. you know? So that was like, it was a, it was a transformative experience. That's a great story, thank <laughs> for you. Me. Yeah, yeah. What, what, where do you see God in something specific? Something, yeah, yeah. Especially the arts. Oh man. Man, I don't know. I don't have That's a good fine. answer for you to be honest. Yeah, I, I think my music is an ongoing conversation. Well, can I ask a question? Like, yeah, sure. What's your uh, songwriting discipline like? Do, do you how do you ever sit down and say I'm going to talk to God, or does does, song, does songs ever come out of like a personal worship time prayer, like, or is it just work? Just yeah, yeah. I gotta no, just no. Dive, it does, songs definitely come out of a personal mm -hmm. sort of uh, worship time, you know. Um, but uh, honestly, the the ironic thing is because music has become my job, mm -hmm. I've almost had to pursue other forms of right. worship because right. now if I'm sitting there worshiping the Lord with acoustic guitar like I did mm -hmm. when I was 18 mm -hmm. on the beach, if I play this chord progression and get this melody, I'm like, stop, stop, mm -hmm. I got to write this down. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, this is good. I got, And all of a sudden I'm like, I turn around, I'm like, I'm at work. Mm -hmm. yep. So I almost have to get away from guitars and music. Mm. to worship I get it you know right like so I, it still is like when we're playing shows like I feel the pleasure of the Lord okay. you know and when I'm writing songs he surprises me mm. <laughs> all the time I'll write a line and there'll be nothing a couple of words will come together and then like this last word will come together and like I'm having a boring just regular morning this one chord and one word comes together and all of a sudden psh, tears in my eyes yep. you know but you don't know when that's going to happen so yeah. in a way I'm almost addicted to that I'm like is this yeah. the morning I'm going to find one of those gems you know yeah dude so yeah for me Deep it's point. like just hours of silence in my little <laughs> you know hours of silence and it is work so I yeah, my, my rhythms change mm -hmm. with writing because I I hit walls and I change things up. So it used to be I'd just sit down with a guitar, play a chord, and sing. Mm -hmm. Something would happen. Now I'm now I I've been experimenting with um, doing morning pages where I'll write, mm -hmm. and it's very spiritual. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's usually just whatever is sort of coming out of me, mm -hmm. and usually it's directed towards God, directed towards myself, or just sort of mm -hmm. some weird form form of prose mm -hmm. or whatever you know i usually the first page would be really boring and then i'll hit this rhythm where it's like i almost can't write fast enough mm -hmm. you know and then i'll go back through and i'll feel different lines mm -hmm. that really sort of stand out and i'll take those and i'll yeah. work with those Great. then i'll even take it even further i'll read something for some poetry or 
something out of a book not looking for content as much as looking for inspiring words you know so like the new record i read a lot of dylan thomas oh right and and you realize after reading dylan thomas like everybody steals from him everybody does you like there's seeing reason. everybody's there's so much musicality in his line it, and it's, totally it just slams it he's just so influential mm-hmm. i just didn't realize how influential he was mm-hmm. you know yeah um but i also realized after a while he is also so heavy <laughs> and, and pretty dark yep mm-hmm. you know i had to sort of set it aside a little bit mm-hmm. and start reading some love poems or <laughs> something you know um well that's something i wish i yeah. had an, another hour to talk with yeah, yeah. you about um because I do sense that both of you have a willingness uh, to look and to feel and mm-hmm. to, to make sounds that yeah. interpret the dark mm-hmm. parts of this. I want to um, give space for the other, but I, I, I want to just thank you for your hard work, for bleeding some for, for your music and for your time here. Yeah. I hope that a lot of people will benefit from this conversation. Yeah. So. Thanks for having us, well, man. Thank this you. Really, yeah, man. I, it was a good conversation. Good. Yeah. I gotta be honest, I'm feeling a little out of it today. This is day 12 yeah, of a 12 it. day tour, and this is like show 11. 11. It's been a good 12 days, so like, I feel you're asking these questions. I'm like, I know there's something in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> It's rather amazing that these two men who make their living making records and getting up on stages, that when you get them into a room and talk about art making and prayer for an hour, the things they end up most substantially talking about is how they take care of themselves so they can take care of their families well. So that's my takeaway from this. How are you with yourself? Are you able to give yourself with diligence and faithful commitment to the things, to the people and the work that are right in front of you? And are you able to do this because you have developed a healthy sense of how to live a day, how to live a week, when to exercise, when to rest, how to begin and end the day with God? John Mark McMillan to Hope College a few years back. And honestly, when he was here with us, he didn't seem to be in a very good place. And now here at the end of this tour, about to do concert 11 later that night after this interview, I think you and I can hear the life and the goodness, the contentment in John's voice. So my discernment is this. These are two guys who are making good music, attracting a good, interested audience because they are good human beings working at the gift of being humans. This is, in its own way, a kind of prayerfulness. And so the question of the invitation is this. What is the Spirit inviting you to through this conversation? What did you notice the spirit stirring inside of your heart and your mind? 
what is the next step for you to take in falling in love with God in a quite absolute and final way? The venerable Dallas Willard expresses the challenge this way in his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines. He says, To many of us, Jesus' words are frankly bewildering. We hear them often quoted because the idea they express is obviously one that attracts and delights. But there seems to be something about the way we approach them, something about what we think it means to walk with Christ and obey Him that prevents most of us from entering into the reality which they express. The ease, lightness, and power of His way we rarely enjoy much less see as the pervasive and enduring quality of our street-level human existence. So how do you bring the presence of God practically into your street-level existence? Are you bewildered by Jesus and His words? Are you bewildered by the discipline of prayer? My prayer for you is that the Invitation Podcast can help you respond to the Spirit's very personal invitation. If you haven't spent any time yet with one of the extended retreats or this new five-minute format, I encourage you to give those a shot. There's also the prayer guide for you to download 40 ways to spend five minutes with God. And of course, you can always email me with questions and thoughts. I'm at josh at invitationpodcast.org. So I didn't secure permissions to use any of Josh or John's music, so I'll leave you with another offering of something that I'm giddy about. At the front end of this episode, I was talking about stovetop coffee, and here at the end, I'm giddy about Zach Winters. And a plug for him here is somewhat appropriate, because I believe that Zach has done some music with Josh Garrels. And, you know, Josh and John were younger emerging artists at one time, so they'll appreciate this. Please head over and check out ZachWintersMusic.com, and there you'll find another artist who is also trying to honor God and his family with creative risks. Zach has just launched a Kickstarter for his next record, and you can get all of his back catalog right now for free at noise trade so visit his website download his music and then make a contribution to his kickstarter so i leave you with this little simple take 
on Psalm 23 that Zach put together for the versesproject.com. Susanna and I have been listening to this somewhat obsessively over the past few weeks. It has been helpful in our prayers, and I trust it will be helpful to you. So until next time, amen. me like